Well, I'm very encouraged already this morning, and I hope that you are as well. I hope that uh, also uh, the Lord will use me today to encourage you from the Scriptures. Uh, I believe that the Word of God is living, that is active, that is powerful than a double-edged sword, that it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And I hope that becomes a reality for you today as we read the Word together, as we dive into the Word together, and as I continue in this series that I started last week entitled Missional Living. Missional Living. Uh, last week we looked at that really important key verse that we're actually going uh, to start with today in Romans chapter 10. And if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and start opening it. But that scripture verse that says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the title of my message today is entitled, Impact the World. Uh, you may recognize that language. You may recognize that title. Uh, that title uh, represents, I guess you would say, the, the, the fourth leg of our pathway that we have, our strategic pathway that we have to help people to grow as disciples. And I want to talk to you this morning about impacting the world and about how impacting the world is an overflow of your discipleship. It's an overflow of your discipleship. As you grow in godliness, as you become the person that God has called you to be, at some point it has to spill over into the lives of others, and others need to be blessed through you. I suppose that we could talk about personal discipleship and personal fruitfulness in a lot of ways. And here's a list of some things, I guess, that could represent uh, what personal fruitfulness is all about. Uh, these would be things that you would, that you would anticipate. If I were to come to you and I was to say, describe to me what spiritual maturity or spiritual growth looks like. You would point to some of these things on the screen, like having a love for God. After all, that's the first and greatest commandment. Uh, you would say certainly that our obedience to Jesus' commandments, our, our moral obligations to follow what God says. You would say that it would be important for us to read the Bible and to have a prayer life and uh, to have regular participation in worship. After all, that's, one of the, that's at the core of who God has called us to be, as He's called us to be worshipers, and that we are to fellowship with God's people. These things, I think, would be standard answers. If I were to say to you, describe to me what spiritual growth and spiritual maturity looks like. Most of us would point to a personal fruitfulness. But what I want to talk to you about today is what I'm just going to term as a missional fruitfulness, a missional fruitfulness. There is a significant amount of spiritual maturity that is never going to be realized until you begin to pour yourself out for others. Think about how much God pours into you. Think about everything that God has done in your life to grow you into the person that you are now. At some point, that needs to be poured out upon others. God wants to use you. And there's really three significant ways that we see that in Scripture. Uh, first off, we see that we edify the body of Christ by serving others. Uh, whether that be using our spiritual gift or just volunteering our time, but we also see a participation in global missions. 
as a significant representation of what it means to be fruitful. And then, of course, we see that verbally sharing the gospel and a spiritual life in us being duplicated or multiplied in others as we make disciples of others and share the gospel with others and their hearts are converted. Now what I want to emphasize today is that apart from a missional fruitfulness, true spiritual maturity will always be lacking in your life. You will begin to sour over time. Your spiritual life will begin to wither over time if the if, if only thing that you focus on is just your personal fruitfulness and your personal spiritual growth, but you never focus in on pouring out to other people in some type of significant biblical way, eventually your life, your spiritual life, will begin to wither. Well, at Stephen Street, we have developed a discipleship pathway that we want all of our people to walk upon. And you hopefully have seen this. If you're a new member at Stephen Street Baptist Church, you've heard it explained. Um, if you were here, I guess it was last year, whenever I preached through the pathway, you know what this is. We talk about these steps a lot. And um, I had these icons temporarily displayed in the sanctuary this morning just so that they could be a visual reminder of, of the pathway, the plan for discipleship that we have for all of you. And I, spe I specifically want to focus on the last one, impact the world, because we have identified spots where people get bogged down in their personal walk as a disciple. We've identified spots. One of those spots is people will come to worship and never do anything else. They attend worship, but they never make any Christian friends. They never connect through church membership. They never have a small group or a life group. It's just worship. And we would say that that's a spot where people get stuck. And there's other spots along this, along this spectrum. And one of those places are these last these last, two, these last two places, making disciples and impacting the world, it's often that we see people that will come into the life of the church and they will grow and they will begin to worship and they will begin to, uh, to, to connect in small groups and they'll start having quiet times and they might find a spot to volunteer within the church. But when it really comes to a true missional fruitfulness, to where they're edifying and growing the body of Christ through evangelism and through missions. We see that as a spot where people get stuck. And I have seen people get stuck at that spot to where they never move into that. I've seen it happen throughout a lifetime in which people will never grow beyond that. And so missional fruitfulness, it's a if, if you never get there, your, your spiritual life, and I've used this image before, is like, a, is like a flower bulb that starts to open, but it never fully and completely blooms to display its full beauty. And there is something spiritually beautiful about an individual and a church sharing the gospel with others. It's like the final touches of a painting or of a drawing that puts the beauty on the entire work of art. Let me just allow Scripture to speak today uh, as we look at Romans chapter 10. Stand with me, please, and let's look 
at Romans chapter 10 and what the scripture describes as beautiful feet. Uh, that's that's kind of interesting. Feet. Um, you don't normally think about feet being beautiful. There's, a, there's an image here in scripture that describes the beauty of a spiritual life in that way. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We looked at that last week, that important thing. People must call on Jesus. But then there's a series of four questions that are asked in these following verses. Four how verses. Four. How then will they call on him in whom they have nev- who have, they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Father, today, I pray that the word of Christ would be heard in this place. I pray that it would generate faith, and I pray that it would bring about new life. Lord, only you can do that. Lord, I can't do that. We can't even do that ourselves. Lord, we need a movement of your spirit in our midst. If we're going to have faith, if we're going to trust you, if we're going to love you, and if we're going to tell other people about you in a way that generates faith in their heart, Lord, we need your power. May you display it in our lives, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I love stories of life change, don't you? Don't Don't you love hearing stories about how people used to be something and God changed them into something else. I love those types of stories. Some of you have those types of stories. I've heard many of those stories from you. Uh, Some of you have have been witnesses and have seen that life change that has taken place in other people. Some of you have told me stories about how whenever you first came to Stephen Street a long, long time ago and who and what you were and how God changed you and now you're something different. Uh, I was reminded this week about a friend, a couple of friends actually, who have gone through Teen Challenge and the Lord used that in their life and now they've been changed and now they have been transformed. And there's a, there's a picture of this, of what God does in our life all throughout Scripture. And we know that alcoholics can be made sober. We know that criminals can become uh, good citizens. That people who are greedy and materialistic, that they can become generous. That bad husbands and bad fathers and bad mothers and, uh, and bad wives can become godly husbands and mothers. We can see the transformation where violent people can become gentle. 
And we know that God does these things. We've seen them. We've seen it in our own life. Many of you testify to it. And so the question here that we see in Scripture is how. And that's what we hear a lot of people ask. How can something of spiritual substance happen in my life? What needs to happen? How does it happen? And I want to tell you today that the how is always the same. The how is always the same, even though the circumstances surrounding it might be radically different from person to person. The how is always the same. And it is extremely simple. We hear and believe the gospel. That's it. I know we want to make it complicated. I know we want to think that other things need to happen. But the truth is, Jesus is enough. He is enough. What he has done for us is enough. The cross is enough. And there is something about the proclamation about Jesus and about the cross and what God has done that spiritually transforms people. We can come up with all types of programs and plans, but they will never match what God has done. I want you to think about your testimony today. I want you to think about the circumstances surrounding whenever you were saved. And I want you to think, okay, that might be completely different than the circumstances surrounding someone else. But what was it ultimately that changed you? What was it that made a difference? It was the message about Jesus. It was the gospel. And listen, if it was anything different, you might have been reformed, but you were never spiritually transformed. And that's the whole point of what we want to see. And we see that in this passage there's a beautiful theological principle that is presented in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the last verse that we read. It tells us where faith comes from. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is that spiritual quality that is generated in you that brings about permanent and significant spiritual transformation. Without faith, the Bible says that it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is not possible to be saved. Without faith, it is not possible to experience a spiritual transformation. Reformation, maybe, but not true spiritual transformation. That only comes through faith. And the only way that faith can happen in the human heart, the only way that can happen is through hearing the message of the cross, through hearing the message of the gospel, through understanding who Jesus was and what he has done for us. Without that, you don't become a worshiper. You, you don't really become a worshiper. 
because someone else gets the credit or something else gets the credit or some other process gets the credit. The spiritual message of the gospel is what changes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. A spiritual message is heard, a spiritual message is received, and a spiritual change happens. This is what has happened in your life if you got saved. Think about your testimony. It should be all about Jesus. It shouldn't be all about you. It shouldn't even really be all about the circumstances surrounding you. Because all of the circumstances surrounding your life at the time that you were saved was all about sin and brokenness. And that's not what saves. And no process of man that we put together can ever compete with the process of the gospel that God has given to us. Jesus is enough. And here's the interesting thing that I love about this verse is it communicates to us that the word of Christ, the presence of Christ is embedded in the gospel message and in the message of the cross. It can have multiple mediums. You can hear the word of Christ through reading the Bible or through the preaching of a sermon or through a gospel conversation with a friend. But the only way to be saved is through faith. And the only way that faith can happen is from hearing the gospel message about Jesus. There is no plan B. And there's something beautiful about it whenever it happens. I remember years ago, a father and his teenage son, I've told this story before, but years ago, a father and his teenage son came into my office and we began to have a spiritual conversation and they began to ask questions and I began to answer those questions. And before you know, I was presenting the gospel to them and telling them about Jesus and communicating the message of the cross and telling them how to be saved. And the next thing I know, I look over at the father and I'm talking to the son and the son's looking at me, but I'm looking at the father and and the father's not looking at me anymore. He's looking down. And I'm thinking, is he looking at his phone? Is he falling asleep? Am I boring him to death like I do so many of you on Sunday mornings? I mean, it's just this, or just a repeat in my office. And suddenly I realized he's praying. He's praying. And I'm not telling him what to, what to pray. He's just calling upon the name of the Lord in his own heart. And so I gave him a moment of silence. And whenever he opened his eyes, he didn't look at me. Whenever he opened his eyes, I could tell there was a spiritual change that had happened in his heart. And when he opened his eyes, he didn't look at me. He looked directly over to his son and he began to share the gospel with his son right there in my office an instant after he got saved. And so I just shut up and I just, and I, and I just let it happen. There is something beautiful about that. And this beauty has happened in your life if you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, there was a beautiful person that came to you and they spoke to you and they shared with you and they mentioned the message of the cross and that is what changed. We have good news to tell. But here's the bad news. Many have never heard. There's many who have never heard. The Bible says, how can they call on him and whom they've not believed and how are they to believe of him and whom they have never heard? 
There are five billion people on this planet that don't know Jesus as Savior. Two billion people on this planet have no access to the gospel and they have never heard. Do you know there are 40, 000, approximately 40,000 people right now within a seven mile radius of our church who are not worshiping in any pew in any church in our city. They're off at a ball game somewhere watching their kids maybe kick a ball or throw a ball somewhere. Or maybe they're out on the lake having fun. Maybe they're on vacation. Maybe they're at home getting ready for uh, football to come on TV. Maybe they're sleeping in. Maybe they're reading their Bibles. I don't know. But what I do know is that they are not in church with you or with any other local body. They are not praising Jesus and hearing the Word of God proclaimed and preached. The saddest situation I can imagine is someone who has never heard. I can't imagine a situation more sad. Years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a missionary in northern India in Rajasthan. And he was telling me a story about some people that he witnessed to and some people that he, that he led to the Lord who had never heard the gospel message. And he proclaimed the gospel message to them. And they heard the message and they believed and they were saved. And as they started thinking through their salvation, as they started thinking, thinking through eternity and how people who have never heard the message are going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And he, they, these people begin to ask about their loved ones who had recently passed away and then their grandparents before them and their ancestors before them. And the missionary said, I'm sorry, I should have come sooner. There is no hope for people who have never heard. It's the saddest situation I can possibly imagine. You see, there is no plan B for salvation. Jesus said no one can come to the Father except through me. And don't take for granted that you have to go to a third world country to find people who have never heard. Don't take that for granted. There are people that you know that maybe they've heard the name Jesus... Maybe they've heard reference to the gospel. Maybe they know what a church is. They might even have a Bible laying around somewhere. Might have even read it. Might have even gone to church. But they've never really fully understand and heard the gospel and heard the word of Christ. It is a regular occurrence as I encounter people who visit our church or talk to people who are outside of church and, and ask questions about Jesus and I explain the gospel. It is a regular occurrence that people who grew up in the Bible Belt don't understand the basics of the gospel. And we need to tell them. And I mean, we, it's, it's, it's not that they don't know Jesus as a person. They don't know Jesus as Savior. They've never really truly heard. And you know people like this. They may live in your house. They may live down the street. They may be within your family tree. They may be people that you work with. They may be people that you encounter every day. And everyone needs someone. Everyone needs a someone to tell them about Jesus. We see this in our text in Romans chapter 10. Verse 13 through 15, there's two words that we see. We see the word everyone, and, um, and we also see the word someone. 
The Bible says in verse 13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But everyone has to have someone preach to them. That if there's going to be anyone saved, I mean, that's the question. How? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How? There is no other way. How are they to have faith? How are they to call on him? How are they to know about Jesus? How? That someone, someone has to preach to them. Someone must tell them. Someone must communicate to them. You see, preach means to announce. It means to tell. It means to proclaim. And listen, you do not have to be a pastor to preach. Not like this. Not in the way that the scripture is saying here. You don't have to prepare sermons and present them from a platform in front of a congregation on a Sunday morning in a church in order to preach. Not, not, not this type of preaching. Not this type of telling. You, you, just have to, you just have to be open and willing to communicate and to tell people. You have to just be willing to say, I want to be someone. D do you want to be a someone? You can be a someone. The Bible says, how are they going to hear unless someone? You can be that someone who preaches, although don't tell them, say, hey, I want to come preach to you. Don't say that. They won't take it well. They'll think they're going to stomp, spit, and shout, and sling stuff around. Don't, but it's still telling. You remember that first person who told you? You remember that first person who communicated with you? the gospel. Do you remember the first time that you heard about Jesus? Now, I know that some of you have been Baptist since you were zygotes. I get it. You were Southern Baptist nine months before you were born. I knew I'd get one from Smiley on that one. Do you remember that person that really shared with you the gospel? You responded, I remember. My mother... My grandmother, my great aunt, I remember being a little boy, and I remember them talking about Jesus all the time. Not just church, not just religion, but talking about Jesus. I remember my grandmother and my great aunt. I knew anytime I went over to my grandmother's house, there was, some, there was always at least one thing that was going to happen. Whatever else happened, one thing was going to happen. We were going to read the Bible, and we were going to pray before we went to bed. And they communicated and talked to me about Jesus a lot. Beautiful people. Of course, my grandmother and my great aunt are no, longer, are no longer alive. But their influence in my life, along with my mother telling me about Jesus from a very young age, had a significant impact on me. Don't you want to be a beautiful person to someone? Don't you want to be that someone? Never assume that someone else is going to tell them. Never say, well, I'm not qualified. I don't know what to say. I'm not a preacher. I, I don't know enough. You may be the only someone that they may have in their life. You need to assume 
that every person that you know that is not a Christian, you need to assume that you are the only thing that is standing between them and eternal hell. You need to assume that there is no one else to tell them. And you need to pray about being that someone in their life. You say, well, I don't know how to tell. Here's a graphic I want to show you. It's called the three circles. I use it a lot. In fact, whenever I speak at the care center, I almost always use the three circles. I also use the Roman road, by the way. It's one of my favorite. And sometimes my conversations with people are just extemporaneous. I just kind of see how the conversation goes. There is an app where you can download this. And it gives you a little PowerPoint presentation in the app. I've showed you guys this before. But it speaks about how God designed us perfect. Do you know that God designed this world absolutely perfect? To be in perfect harmony. In perfect harmony with each other. In perfect harmony even with the animals. In perfect harmony with God. Can you imagine a world like that? That's not what we see. Because something terrible happened. Sin came in the world, and brokenness is around us everywhere. Brokenness with God, brokenness with each other, brokenness with all creation. Sin came in the world, and you and I continue to propagate that sin because we sin all the time. We sin by ignorance. We sin by doing it intentionally. But either way, we sin all the time because nobody's perfect, right? The Bible says all have sinned. And in our brokenness, we try so hard to fix ourselves, like these little squiggly lines that go out into nowhere. We say, I, if I could just get a good job, then maybe that would help me. If I could just make the right amount of money, if I could just somehow get a good health report, if I could just somehow maybe accomplish something in life, that maybe that would help fix me. And other people, it's more evil than that. They say, well, I'm just going to use drugs and alcohol or bad relationships or, or, or things that God says are not good for me. And I'm going to try to fix that brokenness in my life. But whether we try to use the good things in this world or whether we try to use the bad things in this world, what happens is, is we still end up in that brokenness. And there's only one way to fix it. There's only one way to prepare it, and that is to believe the gospel. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus can put us back together. Only Jesus can repair that brokenness. And we have to repent and believe what Jesus did for us. And when that happens, God puts us on a road of recovery as we pursue God's original design where we have harmony with each other, we have harmony with life in the created order and the way God designed, and most importantly, we have a harmony with Him in which, in which we lost in the Garden of Eden. And one day, of course, that will be fully restored at the end of time when God puts everything back together. Listen, you can speak that. You can do that. You can, you can tell people that. It's not hard. And what I want to tell you today is that you are sent. You are sent. We see in Scripture, Romans 10, 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
You see, I believe that God has called us as a group of Christians, as Stephen Street Baptist Church, to be a missional force and to be a sending church. We want to weave it into everything that we do. And you see this happen in subtle ways as Pastor Andy stands up at the end of the service and does a sending prayer. He says things like, before you are sent out, let me pray for you. You see, that's intentional. And we do other things that are not so subtle. Like we have, we have, we have a major um, mission events that we do. But I want to remind you again, I want to show you this graphic again of our discipleship pathway um, that shows that impact the world through serving and through evangelism and through missions. You see, these are the not so subtle ways that we want to help you to bear a missional, uh, a missional fruit. And there's a difference between us and a benevolent organization that is embedded in this verse. You see, a benevolent organization just wants to give you water and give you clothes and give you medical care so that you, so that you can have your physical needs met. And we do some of that, but we have a different goal in mind. We want a spiritual reality to happen in the hearts of a person. We want them to be converted. And if that doesn't happen, nothing else matters. And as a church body, we, have, we are authorizing you, based upon God's word, to go out and to share the gospel and to make disciples. We are repeating the commands of Scripture to you. Do you know one of the ways that, you can, that we share the gospel every single week that you could be involved in is at our care center. Uh, some of you volunteer at our care center. For those of you who don't know, our care center is just lo located about 150 yards that way. And we're open three days a week. We share the gospel with everyone that comes in in a large group. They hear the gospel. And then everyone that comes in for clothes and food and the different, different physical needs, we take them back one by one, and they meet personally with a counselor who shares the gospel with them. And see, we don't, so we don't, just, we don't just preach on Sundays. It happens Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And not just through the front door. Ministry also takes place, and you probably hear our care center director, David Dukes, talk about this a lot, that we also minister to people that come in the back door who volunteer to help and to do things. This is one of the ways um, that we seek to share the gospel. We also seek to deploy people all over the world. Here's a list of all of our mission trips that we're doing in 2022. Look at all of these places that we're going. Many of you have been to these places. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to think about possibly going on one of these mission trips so that the Lord could help you in this missional fruitfulness. And you say, well, maybe I'm scared to fly. Well, you're a big chicken, uh, but I have good news. Uh, I have good news for you. Uh, you uh, can do missions right here in our city. Right here in the city of Cookville. There's people around you. There's people around us all the time who need to hear the gospel. I want to ask you to just pray about having a spiritual conversation. I know someone has come to your mind. In fact, in just a moment, when we have our, our last song, 
I'm going to ask you, if you feel led, to come to this altar, and I'm going to ask you to pray for that person. I'm going to ask you to take the name of that person that's in your mind right now, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you not just to pray that the Lord would save them. I'm going to ask you to pray that God would use your words to speak the words of Christ to them so that they could hear and so that they could believe and so that they could be saved. But I want you to pray for spiritual conversations. It's really simple. As you're out and about doing your thing this week and you're sitting next to people and you're talking, I want you to just pray, Lord, help me to initiate a spiritual conversation. Listen, if you can talk about football, if you can talk about politics, if you can talk about financial stuff, if you can talk about your favorite hobbies, if you can talk about your kids, can't you make your Lord and Savior that you love the most a natural point of conversation? Of course you can. Pray for God to give you the strength and the power and the will to do it. And He absolutely will. So I want us to, I want us to have a, a quick prayer time. I want us to bow our heads and I want us to close our eyes. And I want you, first off, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, I want you to take time right now to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And so if you don't know Jesus, please call upon his name. And maybe you can reflect back on the three circles illustration that I shared with you uh, just a moment ago about how God's design, and you say, oh, I just don't match God's design. No, you don't because you're a sinner. Maybe you would say, my life has so much brokenness in it, and I've tried so hard to fix it myself, but I can't. Maybe you just need to admit that and confess that and realize that there's only one way out of that brokenness. There's only one pathway out of that brokenness. Jesus said that he is the gate. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you could, you could repent and believe the gospel today, and you could begin to recover the wholeness that God intended for you. So pray a prayer and ask Jesus to save you.